important part of my uh, testimony. Um, I wasn't here for our Christmas service because I was ill. And I think it was, I didn't come back to church until maybe the third Sunday in January. And when I came back, Brother Elmer, I was sitting back there and he gave me all my Christmas cards. Okay. And I took them Christmas cards and I put them in the back of my Bible. And that's where they had been. I went home and this Bible <laughs> would go on my coffee table because I had another Bible that I used upstairs to study with. So last week, <clears throat> I was at home last weekend. And I have some savings. I'm trying to save money for a vehicle. And I had to go into my savings to take out $100. And I really wasn't happy about it. So I dealt with that. So Saturday, I was in my living room Saturday evening, and I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, George, get $20 out that savings and give it to missions. I'm like, Lord, you know I'm trying to save this money. I said I didn't want to spend it, but I was obedient. So that's what I did. So last Sunday I came to church, and I was sitting right back there. And before the service started, I went into the back of my Bible, and I was just going through the cards. I read all the cards, and then I came to this. No, before that, I had to take that. I, I already said I took that 100 out and $20 out. And I was back there. After I read the cards, this envelope was in there. And it had my name printed on it. So I said, oh, what is this? I opened it up, and praise God, there was a $100 bill, and there was a $20 bill. <laughs> God gave me back that $100 bill and that $20 bill back. <laughs> you know, they say God works in mysterious ways. And his ways are past our understanding. But all we have to do is just believe and trust. And that Sunday, it made my day because I wasn't feeling well at all. So, God, he never ceases to amaze me. He never ceases to amaze me. That's why I love him. And I praise him, and I thank him, even in spite 
of everything that I'm going through. I love him. Because he's brought me through. He's carried me. And he said he will never leave me nor forsake me. And when I don't feel well, I just tell him, I say, Lord, your word says that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. And he does it. He really shows off. So that's all I wanted to share. Amen. 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 Thank you, George. Thank you, George. I did not pay him to say that. Uh, nor, nor, uh, nor do I, we're not one of those churches that try to convince everybody to take their savings out and give it to the, the church. Uh, but he sensed the Holy Spirit wanted him to do that. And I, and I thought it'd be good for him to share that with you because if the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something, then, then trust that he'll take care of whatever that, that thing is. And so George did that. He felt the Holy Spirit wanted him to give that to missions. And, and the Lord took care, provided the exact same amount back. And that's, that's so cool. So in light of that, ushers, if you come and prepare to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. And when we give, again, it's a faith thing that we're doing. We're believing that God is going to take care of us. He's called us to give our first fruits to him. And the Lord will take care of our needs. Uh, so, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give into your kingdom, and we ask, Lord, that you would use this gift for the furtherance of your kingdom, and thank you for what you did for George, and we ask that you would help all of us to trust and know that you will take care of each one of our needs if we put the kingdom of God first. So help us to do that in Jesus' name, amen. And so we're going to topically go through a topic this morning like we've been the last few weeks. The, the references are on your handout to refer to, uh, to look up throughout the week. And I do encourage you to do that, look up the verses throughout the week to, to check me out and see if I actually put the right thing on there. Uh, so, but... Are you, are you happy with the way your life is right now? I know the right answer is to say that we're content, right? Okay. But are you, ever, are you ever not happy with the way your, your life is? Or maybe you just have a day, just a day where, like, today I'm not feeling it. You know, you're not feeling the way, that, that it's not the way you want it to be. And you try to improve things. Anybody trying to improve anything in your life? Trying to just, like, get some things going better because this isn't really working out that great. And, and we're trying to make things, trying to improve things. And the action of trying to improve things to whatever degree, greater or lesser, is a demonstration that we aren't fully content with life. Anytime we try to improve anything, that's a demonstration that this thing isn't quite the way we would like it to be. And we are regularly demonstrating that life isn't exactly the way we would like it to be. And though we wrestle with trying to be content and, and okay, it's interesting that there's, there's, a, a, there's a contentment that's good, and then there's a contentment that's not okay. And we do different things to try to, to work towards getting our lives where we want it to be. Some of it has to do with our sense of security in, in our lives and, and how we feel about us and our sense of value. And people do a lot of things to try to, to find value and meaning in life. I know that probably a lot, like, I'm going to point Michelle out because she said she didn't like being 
brought in front of people earlier today. But some people like to stay behind the scenes and don't like anybody to see them. And, and they, that person might feel like that means that they're, they don't have a desire for fame. And probably a lot of us in this room would say, oh, we don't really care if we're famous. But I bet most of us want attention to one degree or another. Fame's just the extreme end of attention. I mean, think about the person that you called and tried to get a hold of, and you left a message, and they never called you back. Got frustrated that they didn't give you what? Attention. Because we want attention. That makes us feel like we, have, we matter if someone gives us attention. Or sometimes we try to, to succeed or achieve at something. Have you ever felt embarrassed when someone asked you what you did for a living? And you're like, I don't know if I want to say that. You know, I don't feel like that matters. Uh, or they asked you something about yourself, uh, where you went to school or whether or not you went to school and, and those kind of things. And, and we, we want to succeed at times because we want to prove that we have worth, that, that we matter. Uh, we do that in the, in the way that we long for people to love us. Do you want to be loved by somebody? We, we might be okay if not everybody loves us, but we have a desire for people to love us. And we know that's true when, when we're looking to seek that out and it's not being reciprocated. Or we long for people to desire us, uh, to, to want to include us, to want to be around us. It doesn't feel great when we're around people that just don't want to be around us, right? Uh, we want to be respected. And whenever you've been disrespected, we get frustrated, right? Because we want to be respected. We want to be appreciated. Have you ever felt like that? Like, I don't need any attention. I don't need anybody to give me anything. I just want everybody to just appreciate that I'm working hard here. Have you ever felt like that? Moms probably feel like that all the time, right? Just wish someone would appreciate that I'm holding everything together here, okay? Uh, don't care if you like, like, you don't need to give me a gift or anything. Just appreciate because we want to feel like we matter, right? We want to feel like we've, we have value. And there is a sanctified version of that. In fact, um, you'll remember the parable of the talents where Jesus said that God invested in people varying amounts and he expected them to do something with that worth to produce more value, right? Where Paul says in Romans 12 that we're called to be a living sacrifice, that is to offer something of worth to him. It might be small, but to offer something of worth to him. In fact, Jesus even commented on our value when he said, you are of much more value than they, speaking of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. You, Jesus said you have value. And so we want to have value, but sometimes we point it in the, the wrong direction. And again, we know we're supposed to be content in things, but there's one thing that I don't think we're supposed to be content in. Are you content with where you are spiritually? Are you content with your fervor and passion towards the Lord, with your commitment to the mission that he has called you to serve? Are you content with that this morning? And I think that the Lord doesn't want us to be satisfied with staying where we are. He wants us to have a hunger to be more that's why he taught the parable of the talents. That's why he said to be a living sacrifice. He wants us to bring value to his name and value to others. In, but we have to consider a few statements. Matthew 20, 26, Jesus said, Whoever would be 
great among you. Now, notice he didn't say bad. That's bad for you to do that. Don't even try to be great. He said whoever would be great, he tells them what to do. Does anybody know what he said to do? Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. That somehow the way we begin to find value and worth is when we focus on giving value to other people. But when we feel insecure, we tend to focus on us, right? Our needs and how good we're performing and how treat, people are treating us. And when we do that, we begin to diminish in value. Because what truly brings value is someone who comes along and brings value to other people. And so if we want to be great, we must become a servant of all. Or Jesus also said in Matthew 16, 25, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That if we want to be able to find value and worth and meaning in life, and we're trying to clutch for that and trying to grab for that, we lose it. I'm struggling. I have... Uh, I sometimes know too many things, and then when I think of a, an idea, I think, no, I can't share that, that's someone else's story. Uh, no, I can't share that, that's someone else's issue. But um, have you ever had somebody that was just really trying to, to show you how important they were? Have you ever seen that before? They were just really, really trying to show you uh, that they're smart, that they're together, they're successful, they're important, those kind of things. Did you feel like they had high value when they were doing that? Or did you feel like there's something not right there if they feel like they have to like promote themselves? And it's because when we try to clutch for value, it just has a way like a vapor to, to just run from us when we do that. But if we truly want to find value, we need to be willing to just forsake it all, sacrifice it all, and just say, Lord, I want whatever you want. And then that's where we find value. In fact, John the Baptist said in John 3.30, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. That in order for me to truly have value and to bring glory and honor to the Lord, I have to become less. I have to not be so consumed about my needs and my wants, and I need to focus on somebody else. So are you satisfied with your life today? And if your answer is no, then there might be some things that the Scripture wants to show us this morning on how to be satisfied with our lives. And if your answer is yes, I'm satisfied with my life, well, then again, I want to ask you, are you living for the right things? Are you doing the right things with your time? Are you truly living for the Lord? You might say, well, yes, I am living for the Lord because I'm praying and studying the Bible and I'm going to church, and I'm involved in Christian fellowship, all good things, all things that demonstrate that we are serving the Lord. But James says this in James 1, verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Okay, so if we say that we have faith, this is the demonstration of it. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That if we truly have faith, then we will be seeking in action to do good in the lives of other people. In fact, he would say the next chapter in James 2, verse 14 to 17, 
What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? Okay, so we say we have faith. We say we believe we're following the Lord. What good is it if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? What is the works that he's talking about? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. So I can feel like the Holy Spirit's working amazingly in my life. I could know a lot of Scripture, and I could have a very healthy prayer life, and I could be faithfully attending church every week. But if I am not doing stuff in the lives of other people to serve them, to bring value into their lives, then something is wrong with my faith. And I should not be satisfied with where I am. I should desire to be more, not because we want to be something significant, but because we want to bring value to the Lord, because we want to be a living sacrifice to Him, because we want to take the talents, whether He's given us one, two, or five, and produce more value and more worth with that. Don't you want to be able to stand before the Lord and say, here is all the value that I have to give to you? Jesus wants us to give that to Him, but are we able to do that? In fact, there's motivation to do that, just like all the things we've been looking at with stability. If we learn how to be a valuable person, it's better for us. It goes better for us, but it certainly goes better. Listen, if we decide we're going to try to do a lot of good for a lot of people in our lives, won't it be better for them also? Other people's lives will be better for that. But also, people will begin to bring glory to the Lord and more people will be brought into the kingdom when we learn how to serve other people. And so God will be honored by us seeking value. We're not, and again, I, th I think sometimes we misunderstand things. Because John the Baptist, when he said that I must decrease and he must increase, was John the Baptist just behind the scenes? Was John the Baptist just hiding? No, John the Baptist was in the front declaring things to others. John the Baptist was leading and making disciples. But he, he knew, though, that the end of this was to get them to follow Christ. When Jesus said that you are the light of the world, he said you are the light of the world so that they may see your good works and bring glory to the Father who is in heaven. And so if we stay hidden, in fact, what did the person who had the one talent do with it? He hid it. He hid the talent. If we stay hidden, we cannot bring glory to the Lord. And so we have to learn to be out there, visible, shining the light, demonstrating good works. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be behind the scenes during Sunday service and stuff. We had to pick on Michelle today. Uh, but we have to be doing things that people can see, feel, and touch. Because that's how we bring value that the Lord wants to bring into people's lives. What does Jesus say? We are the hands and the feet and the eyes of the body of Christ, the ears. And so it is felt, the presence of God is felt by us bringing value. So how do we do that? How do we bring value to others? Well, we do that by pursuing first, pursuing personal development. Now, this might seem odd to focus on ourselves first, but listen, if I'm weak, I really can't give much out to other people. Have you ever felt weak before? Okay. Have you ever felt like, I have, have nothing left to give? Or have you ever just felt like you, you truly didn't have anything good to offer anybody? Have you ever felt like that before? 
don't, I don't have any wisdom. I don't have any strength. In fact, did you know that every Sunday, you know what I do when I go in my office for a portion of the morning before I come out and greet you guys that I'm so scared of? I'm teasing, by the way. Uh, is I pray through my emotions. Because some days I show up. Do you ever show up some days and you're like, I feel on top of the world and feel like I got this. And then do you have, ever have other days where you're like, I feel like I just want to go crawl in a hole somewhere and hide. You ever feel like that? Okay. And the solution to that is to, is to make sure that we're in a good place. And so sometimes what I'm doing, and, and I, I, I shouldn't give this secret away. Um, I turn the light out in my office so that nobody comes seeking me out in there. Okay? But now everybody knows, so if you go by and see my lights out, you might know, okay, he's in there. I know what he's doing. Uh, but I'm getting ready for you guys because I'm praying through, Lord, help me to be in a good Sometimes I do that during worship. In fact, today was one of those days I was praying through that during worship. And when you guys, the worship team was leading us in that song, uh, Strength Will Rise As We Wait Upon the Lord, As We Wait Upon the Lord, uh, it was at that moment that the Lord was really uh, helping me feel strengthened because I was feeling depleted at the time. And if we, because if we're in that place of depleted and feeling insecure and feeling um, a sense of uh, low self of worth and things like that, it's hard for us to offer anything to anybody else. And so if we want to be able to offer good to others, then we need to know how to be developed ourselves. Okay, so the first thing we need to develop is a good heart. Guard your heart, for from it flow the wellsprings of life, right? This heart of ours is kind of messy. Have you ever been frustrated with your heart? Like, why do you feel that way? Have you ever, like, just taught? I love that David does that in the, in the Psalms. He says, be joyful within me, O my soul. Like, like, what's wrong with you, okay? And we have to do something with this heart. This heart just, just doesn't show up good. This heart takes work. We have to do stuff to cultivate it. We have to do, add stuff to it. And the things we need to add to it, well, first, uh, we'll actually want to mention 2 Corinthians 5.12. And these are all coming from passages that are talking about ministry to others. 2 Corinthians 5.12, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. What Paul was concerned about was what is in the heart of a person. And then in verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 5, he says, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. But if we are in our right mind, it is for you. So what I need to put in my heart first is a desire to please God. And so and I, we need to remind ourselves. Anybody care to admit that sometimes you really don't want to please God? Especially we think of it in line with mission. When we know God wants me to do this thing and I really don't want to do the thing. Okay, maybe I still want to say that I love God. I love God, I just don't want to do the thing he wants me to do. And so we need to remind ourselves constantly, no, I, no, I should want to please God. I should want to do the things that make God happy. And I also should want to do the things that are best for the people in my life. I should want good for other people. I should desire that. I should hunger after that. And if I keep doing that every day, Lord, help me to... To, to have a good heart towards others, help me to want what's best for others, help me to desire to please God, then something will begin to change in my heart if I do that. But sometimes, have you ever done that and you ran into someone and you're like, I don't want to do good to that person though. I really don't feel, I'm not feeling it. We say that, isn't that a line we say sometimes? I'm not feeling it. You know, I'm not feeling it right now, okay? And if that's the case, then I need to decide to, to cultivate something else in my heart. And one of those things is 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. This one really hit me. 
And, and I will admit that, that I'm working through these things myself also. We regard no one according to the flesh. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We regard no one according to the flesh, which means that when we view a person, we don't view them based on what they are earthly. We don't view them based on the way they're behaving right now. Because maybe the way they're behaving right now is not that great, okay? But we don't view them that way. What we see in that person is what they could be in Christ. The potential that they have in Jesus Christ. Because if I only see them earthly, then we're not going to want to help that person. Because why help that person? He's going to stay such a lousy, you know, irritating person anyway. He's not going to change. Some of you have said that, haven't you? He's not going to change, right? And so if, if that's my attitude, he's not going to change. I'm not going to try to do anything to help him change, right? Because I don't believe that they can. But I have to begin to look with eyes of faith and say, no, in Christ, everyone is a new creation. Anybody who is in Christ. And so there is a lot of potential for that. Per- I want you to look at the person next to you and say, there's a lot of potential for you. Some of you, I'm not sure if you believed what you just said. If we learn to see it that way, because isn't it with man, is it, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So even, I want you to think of the one person in your life that you're thinking that person will never change. Okay? <laughs> I thought you didn't want to be in front of everybody, Michelle. <laughs> the one person that you think can never change, imagine the Holy Spirit really getting a hold of that person. Do you not believe that the Holy Spirit can do the impossible. And so we need to, when we go to approach people, we need to approach them seeing them for the potential that is there. Because if we see them with that potential, we might be motivated to actually try and actually do something in their lives. Also, Colossians 4.2 uh, says things we should do as we're heading into ministry is one is to pray with thanksgiving. So if we're constantly focusing on what is wrong, you know, my knees are bothering me, I don't have much money, you know, I can't pay my bills, uh, I got a headache today, uh, allergies are starting to act up. Anybody have allergies? Okay, allergies, I can't breathe, and, you know, my back's bothering me, and, and my dog died, and, and I lost my job, and nobody likes me. And the news is bad and everything's wrong in the world. Anybody know what happens when you play a country music song backwards? You get your wife back, your dog back, your job back. (laughs) But if that is the attitude, that, if that's what we're focused on, are we excited to seek God? Are we really wanting to serve Him when our focus is, is everything is wrong? But if we learn to express gratitude and to give thanks, and to say, Lord, I'm thankful that you're working in my life. I'm thankful that I have been able to pay my bills to this point. I'm thankful that I have a place to live, no matter how small or falling apart it might be. I'm thankful that I have a way to get around, even if it's not my car. I'm thankful that I have the health that I do have. I'm thankful that even if I don't have good health now, I'm thankful that I did have for many years good health. You know, sometimes we get so frustrated with the way that our health is now, we forget that for decades sometimes we did have good health. I'm thankful that the Lord saved me, thankful that he gave me his word, Thank, thankful that, that he is always with me. 
that he provides comfort at various moments in my life. Because sometimes we're always listing out all the things that we don't have, and we don't stop to say, these are all the wonderful things that I do have. And when we start doing that, all of a sudden what's welling up in our heart is, I really love you, Lord. Look at all these good things you do for me. I love you. And then when we start to love him, then we want to do something for him, right? And you see how this begins to work out on our heart? And not only do we need to learn to give thanks for the Lord, but to give thanks for the people in our lives. I want you to look next to the, pers- to the person next to you. I just want you to think in your head why you're thankful for that person. No, you weren't supposed to say it, Michelle. See, I'm after her today. But I want you to begin to think of why you're thankful for the people in your life. Because it's very easy to, to think about, well, they leave a mess all the time, and you know, they don't always say the right thing, and, and they don't smell that great. And, you know, thinking about all the things that, that you don't like about them and, and how they irritate you and they stress you out. Anybody have people that stress you out? This person just stresses me out all the time. And we're listing out all the reasons why we're irritated with the person. And then we wonder why we can't get ourselves motivated to do good for the person or to ever see them optimistically. Instead, I need to start to give thanks for the person. Okay, so when I think about my wife, I think about how thankful I am that she, and I mean, she cooks amazing meals almost every single day. And when I say almost, sometimes there's other things going on. Anytime she does make meals, it's amazing. Okay, uh, she cooks amazing meals all the time. She's always doing all the grocery shopping. And I, and I tell her this also, but I also express it to the Lord. I'm thankful that I never have to worry about that. And there's always good food to eat. I'm thankful that she will handle the kids sometimes when I really can't handle it. And I do the same for her sometimes. Uh, and, I, and I'm thankful that she looks nice. I'm thankful that she acts like she likes me. I think she, is, she does, but she acts like she does. Uh, I'm thankful the way she loves on me. I'm, I'm thankful that she's there all the time. I'm thankful that she's interested in being around me. And when we start finding ourselves saying that, all of a sudden you start to feel a love for the person. Same for our kids. I'm thankful for, well, that might be a stretch. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding because that's actually one that I do need to work on. And when I was working on this message, I was thinking about that. Even the way that my kids are challenging, I'm thankful that they're challenging because they help me become a better person. It might be a bumpy road to get there, but they are helping me become a better person. In fact, I'm thankful that they, they lo- kids love you in a way that nobody else can love you. And those of you who have kids know that. They love you in a way that nobody else can love you. And it's great when they're two, because then they really, really love you. When they get become a teenager, they just show it in different ways. Okay? But I'm thankful that they've given me a sense of purpose and mission in life. They've given me a reason to live and things to do. Okay? And again, we can look at all that stuff in a negative way. But if we start to remind ourselves of why we're thankful for the people in our lives, we might start to want to do good for them. And we have to, we have to do this every day. Every day we have to do this, because every day we have new reasons to not like the people around us. Every day we have reasons to not be happy with the Lord, because we're not happy with our life. Every day we have to, in fact, sometimes we have to do this several days, okay? I've had a last couple of days, I think I was failing at this, and I need to remind myself, I think I need to do that every five minutes. Have you ever had days like that? Like every five minutes I need to stop and just say, all right, pull yourself together. This is why you're thankful. Everything's good. Everything's okay, all right? And we have to do that because this heart has a way of sinking. And we have to constantly work on that. Also, we need to develop focus. 
as far as what is it is I need to be doing by asking the right questions. Galatians 6.1, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And he was speaking in the context of confronting someone else about their unrighteous behavior. I need to keep a watch on myself that makes sure I'm living righteously. And so the question I need to ask myself, am I living right? Am I living right right now in this moment? I shouldn't just ask it on a Sunday when some pastor is telling me to ask it, but I should be asking it all the time. Am I living right? Galatians 6.3, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Did you know we're capable of deceiving ourselves? We're capable of tricking ourselves into thinking that we're actually doing better than we are. And so when we ask the question, am I living right, and the answer is yes, I need to ask the follow-up question. Is that really true? And listen, you probably have someone in your life that you can ask that will tell you the true answer to that. Okay? That question, don't ask the really nice person in your life. Ask the person that shoots straight with you. Okay? Go and ask them, am I doing this right? And, and I, you know, in fact, have you ever met people that are, that are um, disgustingly encouraging? And what I mean by that is, is they're very sweet in what they just told you, but they just corrected you. Do you know any people like that? Okay, I, I'm a part of a group of pastors, and sometimes I'm sharing some things I'm wrestling and struggling with. And this one guy is really, really encouraging, and he'll say something encouraging. And then when he says it, what he actually said was, you're actually the person wrong in that situation. And I heard it, and I received it, and in my head I'm thinking, you scoundrel, I can't believe you said that. But I, but I can't get mad at the guy because he made me feel encouraged while he said it. Okay, And so we need people like that in our lives to remind us, like, am I actually doing as okay that I think that I am? And it's important because do we want to actually just pretend like we're doing okay? Or do we want to be okay? And so in order to get there, we need to know what we need to focus on. Then I need to cultivate faith. Anybody feel like your faith is waning at times? Struggling to believe? Well, if we want to cultivate that, then we need to, to cultivate certain things in our lives, a healthy prayer life. Again, Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer. Or 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ either controls or some translations say compels us. That when we're spending time with the Lord and letting him love on us and we're loving on him, there's something that changes in who we are when we encounter the love of the Lord. It changes the way we see others. And so if we don't have that, and listen, the times that I have more time in the day to pray than others, uh, I feel it. I feel every bit of it. The times where, like, I'm just focused today and I'm praying, I'm just not, you know that verse, pray without ceasing? That doesn't mean that just hope that it happens at some point throughout the day. Because some people, when they say that, they mean, yeah, I'll, you know, I'm sure I'm doing that at some point in there. Uh, and that's not, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to set aside some time to pray and stay in a prayerful attitude throughout the day. And sometimes we're landing on that all day. Have you ever been there before? We're just, you're feeling close to God everywhere you go. You're feeling like you're, you're praying and seeking Him. Those are the days when we tend not to slip up, right? Because of that close connection with the Lord. And, and we don't realize it until we've been out of it for a while and all of a sudden things start falling apart. Have you ever been to those spots where everything's falling apart and you can't figure out why? And until all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize, oh, that those three days not praying actually did matter, make a difference. Because sometimes it doesn't affect us immediately, but we need to be constantly in this place of this healthy state of praying. Also a healthy relationship with mentors. Well, Galatians 6, verse 6 says this, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. 
So what that, what that means is someone is feeding into my life spiritually, and I need to give a positive response to the person who is feeding into my life spiritually. And here's the reason why, whether it's a pastor or some other Christian friend or a teacher or someone that, that is close to you that's sowing into your life, here's the reason why. Because I don't know if you've ever tried to, to help someone and, and they said, I don't need your help. Or that you try to help them and they won't do anything that you told them to do. Or they're always mad at you when, when you're trying to help them. I don't know why you're always trying to bother me. You know, just stop, leave me alone. Stop messing with me all the time. I don't know why you're always telling me stuff. What is that person going to do at some point? They're going to stop telling you things. They're not going to feel motivated to sow into your life if you're giving them the stiff arm all the time. Okay? And so instead we need to, as much as it might hurt to do so sometimes, because I know that whenever we receive criticism, our response is always, that was great, thank you, really, really love that. But we have to give that, because if we don't, they won't keep giving us what we need to hear. And so when someone corrects us, thank you for, in fact, somebody uh, recently brought something to me that was a struggle for them, and it meant that I was going to have to do something I didn't want to do. And part of me was like, oh, man. But I had to refocus and remind myself, and then this is what came out of my mouth. Thank you for sharing that with me because that had to have been hard for you to say, but your willingness to say that made me do the right thing. Okay? And when we tell, imagine someone telling that to you when you, because you, isn't it scary to confront someone? Right? It is scary to do that. I mean, you guys think that this is fun to do this every week, okay? It is sometimes, unless you're falling asleep on me, then it's not so fun. Not that anybody in this room is falling asleep right now. But we need to encourage people to sow into my life because then we'll have many voices sowing into our faith and then we'll have develop a healthy faith. We don't, we're cutting off food resources so often because we're not inviting people in to cultivate that faith in our lives. Then develop competency. Anybody ever feel incompetent? Okay, like I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know what to do here. So we need to, to learn to develop some competency so that we, we have the capacity to sow into people's lives. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary of doing good. We will reap if we do not give up. It is not easy to impact someone's life positively. It's not. It is not. In fact, most of the time, the growth comes along very, very slowly. If, if, if not, sometimes it moves backwards for a time before it moves forward. And people resist us and challenge us. And, and sometimes this is painful. If you ever went in to help somebody, they responded poorly, and you're like, I don't understand. I'm doing the right thing. But then somewhere in their poor response, you realize that you were doing partly the wrong thing. You ever had that before where you were like, oh, man, I really was messing that up. And that's hard to, to stomach because we try to get things right. We try to do the right things for people, and then we fail, right? And we mess it up. And we want to just give up because, well, I'm not worthy to do this. I'm not capable of doing this. I might as well just give up on this whole thing. That's the only kind of person that fails. The only kind of person that doesn't make a difference in people's lives the only kind of person that doesn't grow with the kind of faith that they need to have is the person who quits. It's not the most smart person. It's not the most beautiful person. It's not the most articulate person. It's the person who never quits. And if we learn to develop a stubbornness of I will not quit, I love, Cindy's my favorite person to harass. 
because she always tells me that I'm doing it. And then she always says, I really do love you. <laughs> but I push her and I push her and push her, and then she knows that I'm doing it because I, I and then I see great things come out of her as a result of that uh, because I'm stubborn. Aren't I stubborn? Because I, <laughs> I will not quit because there are things that God wants us to do, and we need to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And that's where the success will come from in, in our faith. Then Colossians 4, verse 2, being watchful in it. He's speaking of in prayer, but being watchful, paying attention. Some, I, most of us are not aware of our surroundings. We're not paying attention to what people are feeling around us, they're doing, they're saying, how they're acting, what they're struggling with. We're not paying attention. We're thinking, well, they're not telling me. That's why I'm not paying attention. Now, sometimes we have to just notice. Okay? Think about the woman at the well. Okay? Jesus didn't wait for her to start talking. He approached her. And so we need to pay attention and look because many of our opportunities to do things are right in front of us. We're just not paying attention. And then Colossians 4, verse 5, making the best use of the time. Some of us want to do a lot of good. We just can't figure out that we can't find time for it. You ever felt that way before? I want to have a healthy prayer life. can't find the time. I want to study the Bible. can't find the time. I want to get involved in ministry. I can't find the time. I want to help people out. I can't find the time. Do we really think that we don't have enough time to be faithful to what God calls us to? If he calls us to study the scripture, to pray, to be in Christian fellowship, and to serve in Christian ministry, and to advance the kingdom, do we think he will not give us the time? I have four children. That is enough to make a full-time job out of it, just if you, if you know my household. And yet, I have a good relationship with my children, and that takes a lot of time. I have a wife, and that takes time to have a good relationship with, with a wife. Uh, some are easier than others, so I have it easier than some of you. Okay? But it takes time to develop a healthy relationship in your marriage with four children. It takes time to take care of yourself. Did you know I need to do personal devotions? I need to spend time in prayer and study the Word. And I don't do that on working time. I do that on my personal time, okay? I need to spend time being developed myself. I need to spend time pastoring this church and leading this church. And, and did you know that I do all of those things? I, I, I develop a healthy relationship with four kids and my wife, take care of my home, and I, I pastor a church, as small as it might be, and I'm involved in two different pastor groups, and I'm involved in friendships, and, and, and developing my own faith and, and things like that. And you know how I'm doing all those things? By managing my time. In fact, sometimes when I feel bad to say no to something, I'm saying it because I have to make sure I can do the important things. And did you know that, that regularly, and I could show you this, I have a working list of a schedule that I run every week for the church and for home. And every, every so often, when I say every so often, I mean maybe at least once a month, I'm revisiting those schedules and asking, why aren't the important things happening? Because if you ever pay attention and you look at, are the important things happen, happening? If they're not, when you look at our schedule and say, something's got to change here. I need to re rearrange this. I need to cut something out because the important things aren't happening. And many of us, what we do is we just keep being a slave to the schedule. 
You know, job says I need to be here at this time, and this person says I need to be here this time, and I need to just keep going, the thing after thing, or this person needs me, and that person needs me, and the urgent keeps showing up, and I need to keep running all the time after all the things that are right in front of me, and we're not deciding to be leading ourselves instead of being led by the urgent and led by something else, someone else's schedule, and we need to decide, I'm going to figure out how to manage my time so that I have a healthy relationship with my family and so that I have a healthy relationship with the Lord and I'm serving the mission that God has given me. And this one thing is probably one of the biggest things that stands in the way of most people's progress in the faith is managing their time. And if you want help with that, come see me and I'll, give me your schedule and I'll tell you exactly what to do. <laughs> Lastly, <laughs> hey, watch it, you. <laughs> Lastly, we need to pursue impact, and this will be brief on this. Uh, I need to start doing something. I can't just keep getting ready all the time. I have to at some point start doing. So I can't just keep learning about evangelism. I can't just keep learning about ministry. At some point, I have to start doing ministry. So what is it I need to do? Well, uh, first, I need to be using the right tools. And I'm just going to mention these, and you can look up these statements and the references there. I do it by praying. Uh, it's amazing. In fact, I will read that. Pray also for us, Colossians 4, 3, that God may open to us a door for the word, that God may open it up. Many times we're struggling and we're trying to get through to somebody and we're making every effort we can and we can't get through and we never stop to say, Lord, please open this door. And many times the door is waiting to be opened if we just stop and ask God, please open this door. And so prayer, we do it by modeling, by demonstrating what it looks like to follow Christ. And listen, I, I understand that sometimes we get sick and we can't come to church. I understand that sometimes some responsibility showed up and we, we had a conflict and we weren't able to come to church. But every time we miss, we modeled for other people that it's okay to miss. Every time we pull out of ministry, even if it might have been right for us at the time, we model for others that it's okay to not serve. And we need to be thinking about that. Every time we respond poorly to our kids... Or to our spouse, we are modeling for others how to be a poor spouse and how to be a poor parent. We are modeling all the time. Everybody's, as much as Michelle would like to stay in the shadows, <laughs> Michelle's thinking, when will this service be over already? <laughs> People are watching you. In fact, would anybody in this room say that you've observed Michelle's behavior? Okay. People are watching. And she She's going to sit by the door from now on so she can make a quick exit. But people are watching. You might feel insignificant. Somebody's watching you. People are always watching. And we need to be mindful of that, that I need to demonstrate what it looks like to follow Christ. I need to communicate clearly. And I, I, it, it bothers me that people love to quote that line from St. Francis of Assisi. Um, and no, he's not a sissy, Sean, wherever he is. <laughs> it's a sissy is the location. But uh, how, does, how does it go? Uh, yeah, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And a lot of people use that as an excuse to never use words. But we're called to proclaim, verbally proclaim the gospel. The problem is sometimes when we communicate truths from the Bible, people have no idea what we're talking about. Have you ever encountered Christians like that? where they start talking about, well, the mark of the beast is happening, and this is when the end's coming, and, and all this stuff, and they start talking a bunch of crazy stuff, 
And, and not that that, listen, there is a mark of the beast. I get it. There is an end time and those kind of things. But some people are talking crazy stuff. And people are like, I don't know. I know there's, they're talking about God somewhere in there, but I don't know what they're talking about. And I don't know what they want me to do. And we need to learn, if we're trying to teach people how to follow Christ, that we're clearly telling them what it is that God expects them to do. And then we need to use good listening skills. We don't listen to people very well. We, ah, we hear words being said, almost like peanuts. You know, peanuts with the teacher. Wah, 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 wah. We hear sounds, but we wouldn't be able to recount what we just heard because we weren't paying attention to what it meant. And we need to be listening because not everybody needs the same thing. I push Cindy harder than I do other people. And then other people, I let them, and she's like, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you two are on the bad row there. Don't sit in that row. You're both together. But, uh, but, but some people need push. Some people need, to, you need to back off of them. Some people need backed off right now, like Michelle. And some people need, <laughs> and some people need push right now. Now, sometimes it's a different thing for the same person. And the way we're going to know is we need to listen. And I, I miss that many times. But the more I'm stopping and I'm paying attention and observing what's happening, I'll know a little better on what to do and I'll have good people skills. Then I also need to bring value. What do we need to bring specifically that's mentioned in these passages? Bring emotional support. Be there emotionally for people. Bring financial support. If, it's, if I have the capability, someone has a financial need, I should help. Uh, bring encouragement. Encourage people in, in, their, uh, in their lives. But also, some, this is where we get out of balance here. Sometimes we, we only care about the spiritual things, and we ne- never care about someone's earthly life. And what tends to happen there is we never get anywhere with them spiritually. And we say we care about the spiritual thing, but we never can get anything going there because we don't care about them and their concerns in their earthly life. So we have to do that. But some people get so caught up with only caring about their earthly lives that they never transition about being concerned about that person's faith. And at some point, I need to start focusing on their faith. That is the most important thing. If I made someone's life more comfortable in this earthly life and they went to hell, what good did I do? Okay, so I need to make sure at some point I'm focusing on where their faith is, and I need to encourage them to adhere to the Bible, to be right with Christ, and to live a righteous life. Will you stand with me? And worship team, will you come and prepare to lead us? There once, and you're familiar with this story. There once was an investor who decided to invest in a couple of projects. He gave one bit of an investment to one person. He gave two to another and five to another. And the person with five did something with it, added value twice over. They now had ten talents. The person who had two added to the value that was already given, and they now had four talents. But the person with one talent hid it because he wanted to make sure he kept the little bit of value that he had. He who wants to find his life will lose it for Christ's sake. And so this morning, which individual are you? Because no matter how insignificant you may feel about yourself, no matter how you might feel that you're invisible and no one notices, 
No matter how incapable you could begin to lead us, no matter how incapable you feel to be able to bring good in the lives of others, you need to know that God has invested into you personally. God has put abilities, experiences, wisdom, and skill specifically into you. There is not one of us in this room that God has not invested in. So the question is, are you doing anything with that investment? Are you developing it? Are you developing the gift that is within you, as Paul told Timothy? And are you giving it out to others? Or are you just clinging to every bit of value that you can hold on to? Because I'm telling you, you're not going to be valuable that way. If we try to keep our life, we'll lose it. But we have to decide to give it out, to live for others. And so are you content with your life today? Are you satisfied with the way you are before the Lord today? Or are there some priorities that perhaps need to change in your life? Or is your heart not quite the way it should be towards God, towards others, and something needs to be transformed in your life? If that's you, as the worship team leads us for a moment, come and seek the Lord. He'll forgive you for being the one talent for now, but let him transform you into something better because we can add value to people in our lives routinely if we choose to surrender to what he wants us to do. Will you seek him this morning? Indication. I don't know if you know that. And we know it's the Lord working in our lives through us. In fact, that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5. God is reconciling people to himself through us. He is using us to bring that. And we have the capacity to bring peace in someone's life, joy into someone's life, uh, hope into someone's life. And a good evidence of that, in my house, whenever Heather, someone doesn't know where Heather is, they're like, where's mom? We're almost like in a panic. Where's mom? And if they see her putting shoes on, they're like, where are you going? Because because mom needs to be there at all times because when mom's there, everybody's happier. And that's the evidence that someone has brought value into people's lives when they, when they get nervous when that person's not going to be there. And we have the capacity to do that, to bring hope and joy and peace and wisdom and life into the lives of others because God wants to work through us. But boy, do we feel like we don't have enough strength to do that sometimes, right? And what I want the worship team to do for us, if, if you guys would, to lead us in strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. I want us to sing that uh, once through before we go this morning. You can. You can impact that spouse of yours. You can impact your children, your parents. You can make a difference at your job. You can impact people's lives. You can. We just have to rely upon the strength of the Lord to enable us to do that. And when we're feeling weak, that's when we need to seek Him to strengthen. Will you stand with me? Let's seek Him right now. Give us, Lord, give us the strength. Give us the strength to be what we're called to be so that we can lead other people to you. Let's, let's seek Him this morning. So remember that when you're feeling weak, He never gets tired. He never gets weary. That's why He said, take my yoke upon you because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Come and seek me and you will find rest for your souls. Nothing is impossible with God. And he wants to do a work through you. And so even when you're feeling weak, seek him. Press into him. 
and God will give us the power to do the mission that he has for us, amen? And some of the ways that we can do that is by the one-to-one ministry team. That's people that are building a team that connect with others and help serve others. And what I'm encountering when I'm asking people about do they want to help mentor someone in their faith, most people are saying, I don't know if I can do that. I don't, I don't know if I, if I know how to do that. We'll provide help with that and guidance in that. But I think too many of us think that we're not capable of bringing value into other people's lives. But we are. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And maybe we might start small, but all of us are capable of encouraging someone, helping someone, being there for someone, cheering them on in their faith. All of us are capable of doing that. We just have to decide if we're going to act on it. Because faith without works is dead. And so if we start doing something instead of just having good intentions, we're going to see God move. And so if you're in Cindy, you're going to, if you go back to that table, the welcome table. Uh, Cindy helps us coordinate the one-to-one team. And so if you would like to participate or even if you're just interested, see her back there and she would love to, to guide you in that. Uh, But thank you so much for being here this week. Love you. Appreciate you. See you next week.